Welcome to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. I'm BK. Alongside me today is Scott, also known as Fordham Ram on the site. Hello, everybody. How y'all doing? Are you Southern now? Yeah, maybe. Y'all? Maybe. A little Southern jaw there? Well, we've got some Southerners here on the podcast today. In we sure fact, do. making his premiere is the uh, gentleman known as Gramophone. Hello, everybody. Graham, how's it going? Good. How about you guys? We are fantastic. At least I am. I yeah. can't speak for Scott. Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty well, too. So do we use a lot of Southern expressions on this version? You know, instead of calling people stupid, we just say, well, aren't you precious? Is that a Southern expression? Oh, bless your heart. (laughs) Oh, she's dumb as a doornail, but bless her heart. Right. And uh, also with us this week is Carrie, also known as AC Slider on the site. Carrie, what's up? Hello, sounding better this week. I hope. You are. Carrie you, has a better microphone this week, so I know I know you guys suffered through uh, last week, but this is going to sound a lot better. We're actually going to be able to hear you this week, Carrie. That's a bonus. Yeah. Let's hope. You, well, it, it's, you, better, it's, you better step your game up. Well, I don't know. It, it was kind of entertaining. <laughs> no. We got a couple of comments uh, saying it was a lot like you know uh, Jimmy Stewart and Harvey, you know, talking <laughs> to our imaginary friend. So. <laughs> So we'll have to wait and see. No, it, I, it sounds better already just from what we've been doing so far. So The movie references get older every way. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> just wait till we get past the talkies. Right. We're going to be go- going on about Buster Keaton films here. Exactly. Oh, oh, oh. he's in the box. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, mind jokes. Okay, so, alright, to start out this week, this is, contrary to popular belief, a podcast about the Cincinnati Reds, so uh, we'll not really dwell on the last couple games here extensively. Because Um, they were kind of downers? Yeah, obviously, we're recording this on the off day on Thursday. Um, The last game was the 12-4 loss last night that was just... Not very good. Just a just awful in all counts. Curb stomping. And it was it was a unexpected blow. I mean, you know, I think we went we woke up yesterday morning thinking that the Reds were had a pretty good chance to take the series, and obviously with uh, the injury that happened, unbeknownst to us, um, that all changed. Obviously, Pedro Villarreal, Villarreal. I think that's Pancho Villarreal. Right. Villarreal with cheese, as uh, I alluded Via. to in the, uh, nice. in the headline. But it'd be really great if he was as good, uh, had good enough stuff to justify those nicknames. Yeah. He, uh, he, I mean, he, and we, we can't shit on the guy too much. He, you know, did probably didn't know that he was going to be pitching in Great American Ballpark mm. when he woke up yesterday morning either, so... You know, he was still scheduled as the starter for Louisville, you know, even right up to before the game. So, um, yeah, can we talk about that for a second? Did, did yeah. the Reds, did the Reds mis, mishandle that? Um, you know, seems like they had an idea that Cueto was at least a little bit sore before Singrani's last start. It's, uh, it's definitely a good question. I mean, they what they've come out and said is that they – knew something was wrong after he pitched against the Pirates, and which was Friday of last week, correct? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that definitely begs the question. If, he, if they, the Reds knew at the time that there was a 
possibility that Cueto might miss this next start, you know, shouldn't they have had some kind of plan B in place? For want of a Todd Redmond. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you heard Dusty before the game make a pretty hilarious comment saying, uh, you know, he was a guy on the roster. That's basically all Dusty could say about the guy. Right. So it's not, I mean, obviously, it's not the guy they wanted. And, you know, like you said, it certainly seems like they could have figured something else out. Right. I mean, for them to come into this game and, you know, I'm not really concerned that they didn't make a move on Friday or Saturday. But then again, you know, when Sunday and Monday comes around and you still have no idea whether you're going to need somebody, you know, if you need, if they needed to push Tony Singrani's start back two days, like, I don't think that that's a huge stretch to just to ensure that that would have been covered if it needed to be covered. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at the very least, you know, hold Singrani back, have him throw two innings instead of a full start mm-hmm. or whatever, right. whatever the case may be, have him available. Right. And it seems, in case of emergency. it seems to me, I didn't, you know, obviously I'm just kind of reading into their motivations to not do this. It almost sounds like Dusty wanted an edge over them just by, you know, the edge that comes with switching your starter out at the last minute. Oh, so and, a Tony La Russa know, style right, uh, a t- trick a Tony La Russa. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it just doesn't sound like it was worth that trouble at all. Well, they uh, certainly didn't work. Right. Obviously, uh, Villarreal <laughs> came in and got shelled. Troy Tulowitzki was unfazed, and so was Cargo. Carl, Carlos Gonzalez had a great day, so... Uh, yeah, I I agree that with you, Carrie, that they definitely mishandled it. Um, I don't, and you know, it's it's not like they have a ton of options other than Singrani. It's not like you know, there's a, a whole bunch of guys waiting that they could have brought up. Is Galarraga on the forty man roster? I don't have he that. Is, yeah, he pitched on Saturday. He's not on the forty man. Okay, but he yeah he pitched on Saturday. So they yeah they would have had to make a roster move and that's and that's another thing that reflected into this decision right so you know right. you had Villarreal who was scheduled to pitch Wednesday anyway and was already on the roster and for them that was good enough just to eat four innings or whatever even yeah. though yeah, got, they they could have they could have started Alfredo Simon and I would have been happier probably uh, he got the experience of a lifetime yeah yeah now, now who will the Reds bring up. Uh, for Friday's game, because will they wait until Saturday when Singrani is ready to throw again to bring up Singrani? Um, I I have a feeling that they're going to wait. They're they're going to pick up bring up a reliever tomorrow is what I'm kind of gathering and the saw, the word on the street obviously. I saw Doug Gray tweeted that it might be Curtis Parch. Yeah, think. that that sounds pretty likely to me. Um, I think Curtis Parch is he uh, obviously pitched. With the Reds in spring training, he, uh, I believe, is already on the 40-man. They made that move at the end of last year. Um, and, and he was a guy who uh, went to the Arizona Fall League, for those of you who aren't familiar with him very much. But he was a starter up until the past last year, I think. And then 
went to the Arizona Fall League as a reliever and was thrown in the upper 90s. So, um, and he's older for a prospect. I think he's, I don't have it up in front of me. He's either 25 or 26, I believe. 26. Right. Baseball reference, 26. Yeah. Right. So, um, it sounds like just as, as an extra arm here within the next couple of days, until they bring up somebody to replace Cueto in the rotation. Yeah, you know, if we can uh, get through without wasting an option on Singrani, that'd be yeah solid too. So well, they they already optioned him down. So okay, yeah. So but yeah, I mean, he's gonna. There's no the possibility that doesn't exist that we won't need another starter. Right. right. I, I I think. I don't think that there's anybody other than Singrani that's going to make the next start in that spot. Right. I and I think another valid question here is what are we going to do with the uh, the next couple of days? Are they going to kind of retool the rotation at all? To and obviously this might have already been answered by the time we get this podcast out. You know, I think we'll probably know, and we'll probably know who this pitcher is that the reliever that they're going to bring up. You don't have very good. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you have very solid faith in my editing skills and turnaround. <laughs> but um, you know, I think because when when did uh, Singrani pitch? Did they say Sunday? Sunday? Was it Sunday? Sunday, I think. Yeah. So obviously, that would mean that he could technically go Friday if they needed him to, but that would mean pushing everyone else back three days. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't see why, why they do that. I'm not I sure mean, that they, yeah, I'm not sure they want to do that. Keep everybody else on turn and call them up when needed. Yeah, and give, give him a, an extra day or two to kind of get acclimated again, right. I guess. Yeah. You know, even though he was already, he's already been here before. He did a great job last time he was here, so I don't really... I don't really think that's going to be an issue bringing him in. Nope. Just what to do in the interim. All right. So uh, is, that, is that enough talk about Quetta, you guys think? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess the, the other question is, should he or should he not change his little turn slash twist that he does? And, you know, I think that's been discussed everywhere. Yeah. Correlation equal causation. I think that's pretty much how we're going to yeah. end up. Is he going to be an injury risk, you know, for the rest of his career as a red? Obviously, he's still under contract for the next couple of years. Reds have him locked up. So. And I think that's even more important than whether or not, you know, he should keep that move, that Tiant turn that seems to deceive hit hitters. I mean, when you're looking at the I guess the core of the Reds pitching rotation over the next couple of years, you know, you want to kind of go with a bunch of guys that are solid and are not injury prone. And, and right now, if you look at those factors, while he may, when he's on, have the most dominating stuff out of mm-hmm. any of them, he might be the most expendable in terms of uh, going with the team that you know is going to be there in October and November. And, you know, being there in you know, yeah. actually help. I mean, if, if reliability is going to be an issue, it's, yeah. there's no, I mean, but then again, you can kind of look back in the Reds history too and see that they've, they've kind of done this with guys. They do this with Josh Hamilton mm-hmm. and well, we they kind of, I think they, they lost that one. I'm not going out on a limb on saying that they lost that deal. Right. So, well, you yeah. know, if you were, if you were to trade Johnny Cueto at his 
peak, as you would probably call it right now. He's what, 26? 26, 27. 27. So if you were to trade him at this point where, I mean, he's arguably pitching the best he's ever pitched and ever will pitch, you know, but still factoring in that, you might, you're right, you might not get what you're paying for. You might not get market value, but look at what you're return would be, you'd still have a five-man rotation of mm-hmm. Latos, of Bailey, of, you know, heck, maybe Arroyo for one to two more years before Bob Steve is ready, mm-hmm. and then uh, Singrani, and, uh, and Mike you Lee. know, Mike, oh, yeah, Mike, Mike Lee, Lee, of course, yeah. 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 But, I mean, five starting pitchers is not enough, I mean, as we, right. as we know, and that's, that's the thing I worry about. Right, yeah. you've I mean, got, you've got guys on the way, too. You've got Daniel Corsino, who's Getting his butt kicked in uh, AAA right now, but right. he's still in the picture. I think he hasn't. Oh, sure, pushed himself sure. You certainly can't write him off. But what I mean is, you know, not that it's going to happen. Say the Reds were to trade Cueto midseason this year, yeah. you don't have anybody that you can right. count on. I yeah, and I I agree with you that I don't think that that's a risk. That especially Walt Jockety, who's not really known for taking those kind of risks. Right. I don't think that's a risk that they're going to take in the middle of the season where they're trying to win a division. Right. I'm just saying that might be something that might be know, something to look at yeah. in the off season though. In the long term he's probably the most expendable out of any of them just in terms of you know health. Yeah. You, know, you, you see, want you if, want dependability if you have to get creative with somebody that yeah. I think this pretty, becomes a bigger issue if the injury really is to his shoulder rather than to his lat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean his Lat is kind of a big deal too. I mean, when right. you look at his pitching motion and how he twists his body like that, you know, that's definitely coming into play. By the way, have we solidified what his injury is? Is it a shoulder injury or is it a lat injury? I I don't think we know for sure at this point. Um, you know, the media came out right afterwards and said it's the same thing that he hurt last time, which was a lat. But. Um, we, Almost everything has indicated lat or oblique, right. and the Reds' Twitter account said shoulder. Right. So, the Reds' Twitter <laughs> account came out and said that on the DL with a shoulder injury, which worries me a bit. Well, yeah, or you know, just chalk it up to Tim Kremchuk not knowing the difference between a lat and a shoulder. <laughs> right. I mean, we're talking about the same guy that invented, invented not diagnosed, not create, not you know. Uh, Discovered, but invented the injury known as the sports hernia. Right. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, old old Doctor Poke and Stick has a couple more tricks up his sleeve. Dusty Baker invented the high five. Tim Crenshaw invented the sports hernia. So a bunch of uh, trailblazers we have in the yeah. front. Uh, there's there's the all kinds of great Reds trivia answers in this podcast right here. <laughs> So, uh, all right, that, that'll bring us to our next topic, though. Um, we're just kind of going to take a little a macro view of the team at this point. You know, obviously the offense has been very productive. The pitching lately has been really the issue, but the offense is still clicking. And you have, and this all goes down to, we talked about him on the last podcast a little bit, but this all comes down to the addition of Shinsu Chu. And really, the the question that um, we're posing in this this podcast right now are: What's the difference that you see in the offense this year with Shinsu Chu in the lineup than than last year? And well, years past when 
there wasn't that productive leadoff hitter that's getting on base. Well, you can immediately go and for all the superlatives that Shinsu Chu has as a leadoff hitter, mm-hmm. you can point for point say how Drew Subs was probably an ineffective leadoff hitter because he was the exact inverse of each of those factors, except for probably the speed. Right. You know, uh, Stubbs didn't get on base. He didn't uh, drive guys in necessarily, but you don't need to do that as a leadoff hitter. When he did score the red, or when he did score a run, the Reds did win last year. Yeah. What was that a uh, uh, statistic where the Reds were what fifteen and one, where in games where Drew Stubbs scores the first run, something, something like, like that. that? Yeah. I mean, and you also yeah. have to consider that if Drew Stubbs is scoring a run, he was getting on base, which means the opposing pitcher probably wasn't all that good. So, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you tend true. to win more games when you score that you score runs in. Yeah, that's another thing that uh, that factors in. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's a. And don't get me wrong, I think Stubbs is a good player that was just simply miscast and Dusty was forced to miscast him because he didn't have a solid leadoff hitter. Yeah. You know, other He doesn't he didn't have a guy that can get on base. When you say leadoff hitter, you know, you're referring to I mean your the view of a leadoff hitter in Dusty Baker's eyes is not the same as in I would say most managers. I mean he likes his guys to bunt for hits and hit and run and small ball it. I think most and, managers are like that, really. It's just... And, but Drew Stubbs just isn't that guy. No, he's and, not. And really, Shinsu Chu really isn't that guy either for Dusty. This is kind of a new thing, I think, for Dusty. Well, I think Dusty has those players bunt for hits because that he needs them to bunt for hits in order to get on base. I right. mean, you know, well, yeah, Chu, Chu doesn't need to because he's either hitting, he's walking, or he's getting hit by the pitch. Yeah, and I think if, if it were up to Dusty, I'm not sure that Shinsu Chu would be batting leadoff for this team. I, I mean, just based on the fact that he doesn't steal bases, he doesn't, he's not really necessarily a fast guy. He doesn't provide a lot with his defense. Well, do you think any part of it is that there's not really another place to put you given that he hits left-handed? Yeah, that's another that, thing. That's yeah. exactly it. You don't want to put him and Votto next to each other. But that would look really nice. That would be great. That would look really nice. <laughs> Those two and then Bruce right after him. Yeah, I could write a fan fiction about Joey Votto and Shinsu Chu hitting one after another. Yeah. that's We've been calling for that for months, though. Yeah, yeah and I mean, you know, Chu is, I guess, slumping a little bit lately, at least not... You know, getting the hits he was to start the year, but a little bit. But I mean, and he's still walking. You know, he's he's been getting on base, yeah, uh, at a three sixty seven clip over the last two weeks, even though his average is under two hundred. So yeah, and that's that's important that even when he's kind of slumping a little bit, that he's still producing for the team, and that's the kind of guy that you want in that leadoff role. And now Cozart's warming up, too, so, you know, we've got a pretty yeah, nice... It's, uh, it's really uh, nice to see Zach Cozart start hitting a little bit. I think I think the, the criticism that came out with that, uh, he must have, somebody must have read something, because with all that criticism that came out with Votto, I think maybe Cozart was like, well, hey, I'm, this is kind of my fault. So... <laughs> I think even when Co- 
Cozart was slumping. I still think he's a, a nice player to have. I, yeah, I don't think he's a bad shortstop at all. He's, no, he's, 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 he's a shortstop. Absolutely, he, he's an absolutely average, if not slightly above average, MLB shortstop, and that's. I think that's what you want. He's, he's, he's this. He's this year's Drew Stubbs, as we were saying before. <laughs> he's he's miscast as a two hole hitter. Right. He belongs at the bottom of the order, and at the bottom of the order, he's. You know, he he'd be one of the better seven or eight hitters in the National League. But yeah, I think he he would do wonders as a seventh hitter. In the right. right, and he, the reason he's batting second is because there really isn't anybody that can bat second with BP now having to hit fourth because of Ludwig. Yeah, I mean that pretty much screwed up what the master plan was going to be with yeah. this lineup. Yeah, that, that even. I, I, but I think you could argue literally anybody else in the lineup would make more sense hitting second. Not really, because you can't be another lefty, because then you have yeah. Shu, uh, lefty, lefty. Well, I mean, unless it, that lefty is Votto, which I think is or, a fine idea what, still. I mean, why not Jay Bruce? He's hitting lefties better than he's hitting righties this year. Small sample size, of course, but... Yeah. I just don't see... And, and I like Dusty Baker, but I just don't see him thinking outside the box enough to put Bruce Arvado in the, in the two-hole ever. Yeah. Right. And yeah, we're almost talking about something that's worthless because we know it's going to be a right-handed hitter, and we know it's got to be somebody that has at least a little bit of speed. And right now, the only guy that, that fits that bill is Zach Cozart. Right. And, you know, frankly, you know, baseball players, as much as we like to think, uh, you know, Joey Votto is the most humble person on the face of the earth, I'm sure he has an ego that makes him want to hit third the same way Ken Griffey Jr. always wanted to hit third. If you're the best player on the team in terms of a hit, in terms of being able to get hits, you know, there's something magical about, you know, batting third and playing first base for the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, it's something that, you know, you fight your way to get in that position. And, you know, I think, yeah. you know, I think much, it, much, much like how Votto earned the right to play, not be moved to left field because of Yonder Alonso in 2010, he's earned the right to hit third. It's a, it's a status thing for sure. And especially with an old school guy like Dusty Baker. You know, yeah, I get it. You put you put your best hitter there, and it's Dusty telling Vado, "You're my best hitter," and he's not wrong about that. No, but you know, well, as Cozart heats up, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that affects how other teams pitch to Chew. Yeah, because uh, so far with with two outs, uh, Chew has walked twenty two point seven percent of the time. That's, Whereas he only he only walks twelve point four percent of the time in other situations, so he's yeah. really buckling down the two outs yeah. and getting so on base ba- and starting rallies. They're basically treating him like Ryan Hannigan in the the number eight spot, and Cozart is the pitcher. Yeah. But that's that's going to change because Cozart's already heating up. So yeah, hopefully teams will change that a little bit. Or I mean, honestly, hopefully they don't because Zach Cozart. Sure. Punish them at this point. All right, should we uh, should we start on uh, Twitter questions? Yeah, let's open the fun bag. All right. Actually, I just I just got a, uh, a question in that. So our our friend BT Coop sent a question in. Oh, fantastic! Is it about kicking dogs or making fun of Louisville? It isn't. Oh, it isn't. This is a perfectly valid question. Is it about getting blocked by Paul Dockerty, John Fayer, the host of other people that have blocked him on Twitter? Not yet. Oh. Have no. we blocked him on Twitter yet? We haven't. Oh. Unfortunately. 
our, our question for BT Cube 71. Question. He phrases it question. If you, could, if you could build a cyborg Joey Votto, how much would it cost? That is a good question. I'd say around $250 million. I, I think so, too. That ought to cover it. Well, yeah, the good thing is if you build a cyborg Joey Votto as opposed to the actual Joey Votto, you get to depreciate the asset. <laughs> so, you know, that at the end of the day, you know, you're probably getting an even higher purchase price on that cyborg. Am I uh, mistaken in that, Graham? Uh, no, you're not. And you get to write the depreciation off on your taxes. There you go. Win-win for Banana Bob. <laughs> at no point should you consider anything stated on the Red Report co- podcast as legal and or tax advice. <laughs> <laughs> the, next, uh, the next question is from Michael Petrie at Mike underscore Petrie, P-E-T-R-Y, who asks... Tish? I understand the wish for Chapman to record a needed out in the eighth, but doesn't this overshadow the need for setup men to get people out? And this really uh, touches on a really prominent argument in Redsland right now with uh, the bullpen obviously basically not being good, going to shit in the last couple days. Um, obviously, Jonathan Broxson blew a lead in Pittsburgh again. Third blown save of the year. And Sam LeCure came in and blew a lead against the Rockies the other day. So this kind of begs the question. Yeah, I think the question's legitimate. You know, Mm -hmm. sure, the uh, the need for a good setup man exists, but the fact of the matter is right now the Reds don't have that guy. So Yeah, and I mean they have plenty of guys who – are capable of being that guy, and we've seen sure. but we've I, I seen that out of Sam McCure so far this in, year. Even with but. a good setup, man, there are going to exist scenarios where a roll to Chapman in the eighth inning or even seventh inning makes sense. And you know, Dusty Baker's not alone in this. I would I'm, I'd be surprised if there are any managers that use their closer, you know, more than one inning at a time. But right. it, it's it's tough to see this team. When you've got a guy that you know is capable of getting you out of a situation, not use him simply for the chance of a save, right. saving him for that chance of a save. So, mm-hmm. yes, it would be nice I to have some setup. But yeah, I don't have a problem at all with him bringing in Lacure the other night. I mean, Me with, I, with how with how well he pitched so far this year, you know, yeah, that, that's just a that's a bad luck one. I, I, yeah. I, said, I, I said at the time it was a great move regardless of the outcome. I'm not going to fault Baker for that. Yeah. Lecure made complete sense in that situation. I think so. I, I, I agree. I think it's too early to, to say that Sam Lecure is not that guy based on just one bad outing. Right. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. But this does kind of beg a question with Broxton. I'm, you know, you brought him in. You brought him in as a closer, and you paid him closer money. And he's really not performing in that. He's not even performing as a setup animal. man. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he came out and pitched a garbage inning last night. That's where that's about where Dusty thinks of him right now. So he's not yeah. alone. Yeah. I think he's. I, you know, I'm not expecting him to be great by any means, but I do think he will be better than what he's been. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not terrible. So um, while he might not be, you know, Jonathan Broxton of four or five years ago, he's going to get better than he's been this year. He's given up, uh, you know, 
over 10% of his fly balls are leaving the yard for home runs, which is well over his career norm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't see that continuing. And well, yeah, his, he'll, fastball, he'll his fastball speed's down, though, too, and that could be part of the reason why they're leaving the yard at a higher rate. That's a little bit of a concern. Yeah. yeah. Again, I don't think he's, he's going to be great. But, but he's not. then again, if we're looking at the short term of this right now, you know, if you're Dusty Baker and you have a two-run lead going into the eighth inning and your starter's done, you know, who's the guy you bring in right now? And I, I, don't, I still don't think it's Jonathan Broxton. No, I don't either. I mean, I, I can tell you it's not Villarreal either. No, it is, it is definitely not him either. It's not Manny Parra no. or Logan Andrusik or any of the other... Scrubs that they've been throwing out there this year. So one by one, it's going. You know, we're just ending up with it should be Lacure and not Broxton until Broxton gets his head straight. Yeah, basically so, until right. he gets his confidence back. I think that's that's the call. How uh, Broxton got his groove back? Yeah, yeah. It's about the size of J Lo's <laughs> rear end. Uh, <laughs> was J Lo in that movie or was that Selena? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know if there are any. If there are any uh, House Stella got her group back fans out there, <laughs> make sure know, to make sure Twitter. to send off. Yeah, send us a tweet about it. All right. Well, um, I guess um, let's go to the segment that we always do um, with, or at least we will for the next uh, ninety-eight podcast. 90, ninety-eight episodes. We're uh, gonna flip to a random page of. Joel Luckup's book, 100 Things Reds Fans Should Do and Know Before They Die, with Forward by Dusty Baker. I think that's the full title. Uh, was it Forward by Dusty Baker? Or was, was it? Uh, indeed, yeah. Was it, oh, was indeed. I thought it was Pollyannish. And, uh, yes, uh, we, don't have it, we don't have it in our possession today, but Carrie has it, and we'll be providing it. Carrie, All right. what are we talking Flip, about? Flipped it open, and a relevant topic. Uh, Dolphin. 1957 All-Star Ballot Stuffing. Does anybody remember that? Oh, well, I don't think anybody on this podcast was alive when that (laughs) happened, but this was where the Reds uh, fans, I guess, just stuffed the ballot boxes to make sure the entire Reds lineup ended up uh, as All-Star Game starters. Am I incorrect in that? I believe that they they won at every position that year, like, as far as the voting went. Right. But... I think I think it was maybe Stan Musial was the lone non-red in the starting That's lineup. That's right. I, I do remember that now. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's uh, kind of. Carrie, what what ended up happening with that? The same way now with uh, Twitter and face of MLB, that yeah. sort of thing. We're still stuffing the ballot. Box. We kind of we kind of did do that with face of the MLB. That was kind of the exact same thing. Well, yeah, but that was an official coordination by the Reds uh, PR department, who were fantastic at their jobs. I do not get any yeah. credit for that. Yeah, shout out to uh, friend of the podcast Lisa Braun, who is who coordinated who coordinated that whole effort and is really totally responsible for that happening. So, yeah, yeah. They, the, not necessarily the PR department, but the social media department with the Reds does an outstanding job. They really do. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, because I I was actually talking to her about this. The Reds have something like, 
a fourth or a sixth of the followers that the Yankees had on Twitter, yet Derek, Joey Votto beat out Derek Jeter for in that face-to-face face of MLB voting. So pretty, pretty incredible. So what ended up happening with uh, the conclusion of that, Kerry? Did, they didn't obviously let all eight of the Reds start, right? Right. I, I just looked it up, and uh, the, the seven of the eight starters, uh, as chosen by the voters, were Reds, with Stan Musial being the lone exception. Right. But Commissioner Ford Frick uh, threw a fit about it and appointed Willie Mays and Hank Aaron to start the game. Uh, so there ended up being five Red starters. That's that. That's workable. Yeah. I I don't think you uh, you can make an argument against any of the two guys that they they brought in instead. Who was the All Star Game MVP? Doesn't say here. Yeah. Although it does say that by the time all the votes had been received, uh, the Reds had submitted more votes than all other sections of the country combined, that's, which is pretty incredible. Well, Cold War mentality will do that. <laughs> Uh, apparently, there were stories that uh, bars in Cincinnati refused to serve alcohol until patrons filled out a ballot. Okay. Oh. So. Wow. That'll that'll do it. Yeah. Using a man of beer will get you a lot of things. The last topic I want to hit this week is the Cardinal series. Obviously, that's the big. Thing on the minds of Reds fans right now. Cardinals are coming to town for a three-game set. Um, what are you guys' impressions of how this is going to go? I mean, how how important is the series? Eh, I mean, every you know, it's it's still June. Every series is important, especially when you're playing the Cardinals. Uh, you know, for the fan base mentality, I think it's bigger than it really is. But I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It's a big series. That will have implications. So, the Cardinals have lost a couple in a row, and all in all, they're a good team, just like we are. You know, I I think there's a lot to lot to look forward to this weekend. I think the pitching matchups are interesting because Friday night, I think St. Louis clearly has the advantage with Wainwright, Mm -hmm. and then Saturday night, Cincinnati has the advantage with Latos, and I could easily see Sunday being the rubber match. Yeah. And nobody so, knows so who did, who's going to who pitch on Sunday. Who goes to for the Reds? Is that Leak? Leak. Leak, Leak, and Arroyo? Arroyo, yes. I mean, the way that those guys have pitched the, so far this season, though, Leak versus Wainwright is actually a pretty good matchup. I mean, Mike yeah. Leak's been great his last couple times out. Yeah, that's true, yes. So, you know, there's, there's a chance that the Reds might steal that one. You know, if they can get the bats going. And hopefully, hopefully that there will be a, a sellout crowd for at least that game, if not all three of these games, because, you know, I'd be the offense, surprised the, if, if they don't sell these games out. I, I really hope that they do. If he can go run for run with Wainwright, you know, the Cardinals' bullpen, they're worse than the Reds' bullpen. I mean, yep. they are just yeah. atrocious top to bottom. And, you know, if the game goes late into the, uh, you know, if the game is determined in the later innings, I like our chances in any of them. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah, and I think and I think that the Cardinals lineup is a little bit understated, and that's kind of what the part that I'm more afraid of. I think they're going to regress you know, to the main. 
some of the some of those guys. I know I know Carrie um, did the interview with uh, Derek Gould of uh, St. Louis Post Dispatch, I believe. Is who you're Correct. Right? Yep. Yeah, which which was a great insight into the mentality behind the Cardinals and, you know, talking about guys like Matt Carpenter who, you know, if you're a Reds fan, you know, you don't hear about Matt Carpenter unless you're they're playing the Reds, but he's been awesome so far this year. And yeah. he's killing people, so, you know. Yeah, I th- and I think uh, to uh, Scott's point, I think a lot of the guys on the Cardinals right now are, you know, overperforming. You, you could say the same about a few Reds players, but mm-hmm. I mean, there are guys that are just having career years up and down that lineup, with the exception of Matt Holliday. Um, and then, you know, they've got two or three rookies that haven't been through the league yet, more than, you know, haven't faced any team more than once at this point, probably. Yeah. So you, you've got those guys, um, some of the hitters that I can't imagine continuing at that rate. And I think when it's all said and done, the Cardinals are, are still one of the top teams in the National League, but I don't think they're going to continue winning at, what are they, 65%? Yeah, they're not going to win 110 games. I mean, right. we'd be kidding ourselves if they did. Yeah. yeah. All right, so what are you guys' predictions for this weekend? How, how do you guys think it will shake out? I think we take two or three. I'll be the eternal optimist and say the exact same thing. <laughs> Graham? Uh, I, I think they'll take two or three. Two or three? I all right. I'll I'll go on on the limb here. Reds are going to sweep it. Feeling good. Take the division lead. Yeah, this is this is the series that's going to turn turn everything around. And uh, this is the series that's going to cure Johnny Cueto's lat. Yeah. <laughs> God, it would have been great to have him. And, Ryan, and uh, Ryan Ludwig's shoulder. Yeah. Well, all right. With that, we're going to wrap this up. Um, this uh, has been the Red Reporter Podcast obviously you know that if you're listening reach out to us on Twitter um, at Red Reporter tweet us your questions for next week or next whenever we record this seriously keep up with it yeah. and uh, you know let it, we'll, we'll let you know when we're recording um, keep an eye out for a thread about um, the pre-show next week as far as uh, being able to read Comments, yeah, questions. Two, two drink minimum. If you want to hear your uh, question read on the air, you can post <laughs> on our website. You can ask us on Twitter. Uh, yeah. You can send us an email. Uh, I'm sure, our email addresses are on you know Red Reporter proper. So yeah, yeah do any of those really? Because otherwise, and definitely visit the site RedReporter.com. Yeah, and uh, get us a page click. Comment and uh, do do all that. Read read our great great content. So, original content. It Jeez. is. It's it's all original. There are no slideshows. No, yeah, we don't no, do we, slideshows. We don't do slideshows. Uh, we slide don't. slide doesn't even work here anymore. No. So we don't report from the bleachers. That's uh. <laughs> true. <laughs> and um, and if you're if you're listening to this um, right now, obviously the draft's going on right now. So stay tuned to our coverage with that. Yep. Um, Thundering Turtle does. I think the one of the best jobs of anybody on the web, other than you know, people who are paid to do it. Baseball's so, version of Mel Kiper Jr. Yeah, just without the. Hair. I mean, the 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 content that he provides for our site is unparalleled. So keep an eye out for that, and uh, let's wrap this up.
So for Graham and for Carrie on the phone and for Scott in studio, I'm BK, and uh, we'll see you next week. So long, guys. Two men on.